be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect, raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, and that the day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are intimate and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. The history in the world of the world, to some extent, to a great extent, is the history of preparedness, being prepared. In fact, we are somewhat fascinated, aren't we, by the manner in which the world prepares for the things of this world. Maybe military exploits, business. Sometimes those are necessary. In fact, to some extent, must be. I was reading yesterday the military history of some of the great figures who present themselves over the course of thousands of years. Preparedness, or lack of it, is a very visible thing in the military, isn't it? In the history of battles, anyway. Hannibal, the 3rd century B.C., was prepared to raise an army in Carthage in Africa. Take it up with elephants, by the way, and with elephants to cross the Alps in 15 days in November in the midst of snow and ice, to enter Rome from the north, rather to enter Italy, to sweep down, even to take much of Italy, to conquer and destroy Roman legions, 
But in the end, he wasn't prepared for the force of Rome. He thought he was, but he wasn't. And by the end of the Third Punic Roar, Carthage was destroyed and became extinct. They weren't prepared for Rome either. Caesar. If you've read, as many of us had to do in second-year Latin, Caesar's Gallic Wars, and as exciting as they may sound, they're really as dull as rain. Uh, it's going from one place to another place to another place, and that's pretty much Caesar's Gallic Wars. But Caesar was prepared. We think of him that way. Occasionally he would be defeated, but he would always come back more prepared than he was the last time. Read about his entry into Britain sometime. I think he took 850 ships and he went. They just surrendered. He was prepared for that. He was prepared to cross the Rubicon and enter Rome. Prepared to become dictator for life. He was not prepared, however, to meet the Senate on the Ides of March. He was not prepared for the treachery of his friends, for the people he thought to be his friends. So on through history. Attila the Hun, prepared to attack Rome, but he wasn't prepared for St. Leo the Great, Pope St. Leo the Great, to meet him without any armies or any battlements and turned him back. Perhaps the one we are most fascinated with is Napoleon. He was prepared to drag the Pope to Paris to crown him Emperor of France and prepared to seize the crown him, himself and crown himself with it. On this day, December the 2nd, 1804, prepared to sweep through Europe, the whole continent fell before him. He was not prepared for Russia or the winter, as many hadn't been, and Hitler wouldn't be either. Fascinating people in the ways of the world. Think of business. Rothschilds, Rockefellers, DuPonts, Mellons. We read their lives. And to some of us, to some extent, all of us have to be involved in the ordinary things of life, don't we? Family, business, education, progress, all those things. But in the end, the only people who are really prepared, really prepared, are the saints. They alone are prepared for the day-to-day -day challenge. The final challenge. The ultimate challenge. And we, above all else, ought to admire them to read about them, to the extent that we can imitate them about whatever their state in life might have been. Today's gospel speaks of this. Although it speaks about the end of the world and the terrifying signs. He said that on the earth, nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright, anticipation of what is coming upon the world. Speaking of the deacon before Mass, he said his father used to tell him stories about Haley's Comet coming. People would jump out of windows, feed money to horses, thinking it was the end of the world. They were terrified, but the real thing will be something else again. Then our Lord warns us about becoming drowsy. 
carousing, drunkenness, the anxieties of daily life. We all know the anxieties of daily life, don't we? You know, Bishop Sheen once commented on the fact that there are two types of mysticism in our world. He said this a long time ago. It's even more true today than when he said it. The first mysticism is the mysticism of the world, which is I or nothing. My ego or nothing. My will or nothing. My vision or nothing. That's our world. Whereas the mysticism of the church, of the gospel, is God or nothing. That's real mysticism. St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila. That's the real mystic world. God or nothing. If we've got that, we're prepared, we're ready for what's going to come. Julius Caesar, Napoleon, and all the others would have never understood St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Ignatius of Loyola, or St. Catherine of Siena. It would have made no sense to them whatsoever. They didn't have the, the, the vision. And I might add, didn't have the courage either. We never think of them as being without courage, do we? But they lacked that. So they weren't prepared. Or if they were, it was less. None of, most of us are not fully prepared. Even if we're in the state of grace, we aren't fully prepared for the Lord's coming. Part of that, too, is because we don't really see very clearly, do we? We see a very murky reality. It's been said that as you know, a tapestry is woven from the back, not the front. If you look at it from the back, it's kind of strange. You see weird figures, shadows, threads, knots. It doesn't seem to make much sense. It's only from the front that it becomes clear, that it becomes the perfect image that it was meant to be. We don't see things that way, do we? We don't. We see all of reality from the back, and all I see is this moment or that thread or that knot, but not the entire picture, which only God can see. So we begin today to become prepared in the first Sunday of Advent. Now, this coming, we know, is already present with us. As soon as the Lord becomes present in the Eucharist, he has come, and we are facing the end times. This is the end of the world right here, right now. We must be prepared for this. As I've said, if we're prepared for this, we are at least prepared in some way for his final coming. Uh, and only the Eucharist can make us prepared, and in the, only the Eucharist in the end can bring us into it. Isn't it wonderful to think, isn't it, this gospel that sounds so remarkable is pre where we're present in our midst. As soon as those words are said, already in the tabernacle, this is my body, this is my blood, and the Lord comes with all of his power and glory, but only through right now the eyes of faith. There was a priest, a Father Tab, I think his name was. He had a reflection on this. He said, referring to it, my life is only a weaving between my God and me. I do but choose the colors. He worketh 
skillfully. Full oft he chooses sorrow, and I in all my pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and preparing for his coming. For the church throughout the world, her members will be prepared for the coming of the Lord, especially the church suffering, the healing and strengthening of the church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. Lord for all nations of the world, especially our own, they will listen to the prophets proclaiming the coming of the Lord. We pray to the Lord. Lord for those who are sick and suffering and dying, the lonely, the frustrated, and the confused, they may know that in their suffering they proclaim the coming of Jesus Christ. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost that vision, we pray to the Lord. Lord, With greater respect for human life, and especially life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood in the consecrated life, those young men and women who will prepare the world for the coming of the Lord, for a greater reverence for the prophetic nature of marriage and a single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, for our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, especially for our bishop as he celebrates his 25th anniversary of ordination, that they will be visible signs of Christ's presence and yet to come, particularly as they celebrate the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful depart. And for all of us here, we may daily become more prepared for the Lord's coming, and our whole life may be directed to that end. And all that we do. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing. Amen. 